I'm actually going to test your pop culture. Riz. Riz? Is it a candy? Is that is it <laughs> something from like Snoop Dogg? Rizzle my nizzle? You know? Bad Bunny. That's a brand. It's a person. TG's one for Isn't four. There some bunny brand? Um, no, Psycho, no. Bunny. Psycho, Psycho Bunny. Is there a Psycho Bunny? Yeah. Psycho Bunny. Yeah. Now that we know you guys need help with your slang and your <laughs> pop culture and all the things. I felt like I was good at pop culture. I, I, You know what? If I had given you a few more of those, you would have been. But I want to save Shayla because it was going downhill really quickly. Real talk about real life. Spiritual maturity. Faith. Leadership. Growth. Welcome. To Life Beyond Sunday podcast. Hi. Hey. What's going on? How you guys doing? Doing good. Tired? Busy no, week? It's great. Awesome. All right. <laughs> that's all you. That's all what you were saying ten minutes ago. But we'll let it slide. Trying to change my attitude. All right. Good job, <laughs> Shayla. What is it? Um, actions lead, feelings follow. Yes. Yes. Oh, I started good marriage deep, principle. Started deep there today. That's a life principle. Yeah. All right, so today we're going to start talking a little bit about the upcoming generation. Okay. Right? Um, We got millennials, we got the boomers, the Gen Z. We're going to dive into that a little bit. What age group is Gen Z? So Gen Z goes from 13 to 25. Okay. Yeah. Um, And we're actually going to go into a study that was done by Barna. um, What generation are you? I'm a millennial. Oh what? yeah, I'm a boomer. I'm I'm a Gen Xer. Oh, so is so is my husband. Are yeah. you Gen X? Yeah, I we don't are. Know what Gen X is? Shayla's like I'm Shayla McCormick. I don't <laughs> have a generation of my own. <laughs> All right, so um, we we're gonna talk a little bit about that. But before we do that, I'm actually going to test your pop culture. Oh geez. Oh wow. It's not really pop culture. We're it's failing. more like do your slang. You know, I actually had to look these up. So. I could totally botch this these definitions. Okay, okay. we're going to have to play them by ear. Okay. Okay. What is chuggy? Chuggy? Chuggy. I don't know. Chewing I've never, gum? No. I've never even heard of that one. Chuggy. Like, oh, that's the so chuggy. Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Chewbacca's son. <laughs> Chewbacca's son. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay, so... Chuggy is like you're trying to be trendy. So like those live, laugh, love signs. That's so chuggy. It's something that like millennials do to try and be cool, but it's like outdated. Like like the live, laugh, love. I was wearing a sweater a couple times, a couple recordings ago that said be bold on it. That would be considered a little chuggy because it's that font from, uh, so chuggy. I learned a new word today. New word. No cap. You don't have a limit? (laughs) <laughs> i'm not wearing a hat <laughs> so no cap is like i'm not lying so like oh i ran into Dwayne wade no, no cap. cap like i'm telling i'm telling the truth bro. i'm, I'm, way, super I'm way not cool oh apparently okay riz riz is it a candy is that is it <laughs> something from like snoop dogg rizzle my nizzle you know <laughs> rizzle my nizzle <laughs> That could be a thing. Like, uh, Riz. No, Riz is like charming. 
I need like so 90 he's slang. He's got Riz. You I've know, got like, 90 slang down. Whatever to, this slang is, I have no clue. I, I, Riz doesn't even make sense. I yeah. I don't know. It's like Either he's got chewy. and he doesn't got. Okay, now we're going to do movie, brand, or person. Bad Bunny. That's a brand. It's a person. It's a person. <laughs> he's a music guy. There you go. Who, you is, got, who okay. is Latin? TG's one for Isn't four. some bunny brand? Um, no, Psycho, no, bunny? Psycho, Psycho Bunny? Is there a Psycho Bunny? Yeah. Psycho Bunny. Yeah. Okay. Psycho Bad Bunny is probably like the most popular uh, artist right now. Okay. I think there. he's dating somebody famous. He is used he? to be. Yeah. Okay. Um, movie brand or person? Rag and Bone. Oh, that's oh it's a brand. brand. Okay. Oh, look, the shoppers! <laughs> the shoppers now are like, "Oh, I know the clothing ones." Okay, last one before we go in to like the nitty gritty. It's gonna be a movie because you haven't mentioned. One. No, do we approve of Crocs? No, except for children. Okay, I was gonna say because I've seen Alexander or your or your uh, hospital worker at the hospital. Do you agree? I don't care. You don't care if people wear. Would you ever wear Crocs? You know what. If you want to be single you, all of your wear, life, she, you are more than welcome to wear Crocs. So she just said she might wear Crocs, so don't. Maybe the sandal version. No, no. I think when, when we say Crocs, I think we're talking the the, the, the legit Crocs the legit with the little, Crocs with the little holes. And what's even worse is when I see adults wearing them and they have the little um, pin, pin things in them. I'm like, not only did you buy Crocs, but now you're decorating them <laughs> to draw attention to them because you're like, look at my awesome shoes. Kind of like a charm bracelet. Yeah. <laughs> but for kids, they're okay. For yeah. kids, totally Absolutely. okay. Yeah, my kids, kids are like, they're cut off age is like 13. 13, 13. So um, half our church just felt attacked, but it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Raising them I, to a higher level. I wouldn't level. attack them on a yeah. Sunday morning as well <laughs> for right. that aspect. Now that we know you guys need help with your slang and your <laughs> pop culture and all the things. I felt like I was good at pop culture. I, I, You know what? If I had given you a few more of those, you would have been. But I want to save Shayla because it was going <laughs> downhill really quickly. All right. So in 2018 and 2019, uh, Barna did a study of young adults that were from 18, ages 18 and 35. And kind of the key words that mm-hmm. showed up were anxiety, loneliness and skepticism. In 2021 and 2022, they did a similar study, but they increased the age range from 13 to 17. So now they they took 13 to 35-year-olds. Okay. And they took this new range that was 13 to 17, right? And I'm they realized- It's okay. <laughs> so they realized that- So the, they, they increased the age. And when they did that, they realized that the upcoming generation had newer words that, weren't, that, that were linked with optimism- being engaged, they're they're malleable, they're curious, they're authentic, mm. collaborative, inclusive, and so they kind of called they kind of referred to this generation of this. Mm-hmm. It's not its own generation, but these thirteen to seventeen year olds yeah. as the open generation, mm. right? So, I guess the question is, we're going to start with this kind of general, but how do you authentically? present Jesus to this generation who is so different than, right? Like the key words in the beginning are anxiety, skepticism. They're, they're kind of heavier words. Mm-hmm. And then you, you go to this younger 13 to 17 year old age group and you find uh, optimism, engaged authenticity. Those are like the key words. How, how, how do you, how do you present Jesus to this, to, to this group? 
Well, I think I think that they already have an optimistic outlook, so it's easier to probably present to them because Jesus is hope. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the hope of the Gospels and the yeah. hope of you know a transformed life, when you're more open to that, it's even better. But at the same point, if you're full of anxiety and depression, like the thing that you're searching for is hope. So I don't know that the the presentation necessarily even changes. And that's the that's I mean, that's been the beauty of the gospel is is the core of it never changes. Maybe the tactics change a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think that they're looking what's interesting is if you study generations throughout history, um Every five gener, I think it's the cycle is five mm-hmm. generations. Mm-hmm. So the generation that's coming up right now is going back to it's the fifth. Is it the fifth generation? I think it's the fifth generation, which is going back to uh, the World War One, World War Two generation, which is considered the greatest generation that ever lived. So we've cycled all the way back to that because what did they say? Uh, tough times produce uh, strong men. strong men. Strong men produce good times. Good times produce Weak men, weak men produce tough times, mm. uh, and then tough times produce, produce great men. And then yeah, and it just good. and it just yeah. cycles around. And so, what we're seeing is we're seeing a generation they that is coming up that is going to be that great generation. Yeah. And it's wow. it's an opportunity for us as the church to help them be strong in the things that matter, strong in character, strong in the Lord, strong in their values. Strong and I in their think beliefs. for a generation like that, you know, where you hear the word authenticity, right? I think people want to look at you and see that what you talk about is actually what you live. Yeah. And I think there's been many times in previous generations where that might not necessarily have been modeled mm-hmm. quite as well. And I think it's one of the one of the things that makes our church great. I think at engaging so many generations is that there's an authenticity there that you're not going to look at all these people and think, well, you know, they're acting like they're perfect. What they're seeing is people that are just living real life and not saying I'm perfect, but going, I'm trying to be better. Right. And how, going on that, how do you equip this generation as a church? How do you involve them? How do you make them, you know, are they the future of the church? Are they the church right now? How do you kind of grasp on? I mean, we've we've always approached it in the fact like we've always had kids and families involved on every level yeah. of of our church. Like you're going to see 13 year olds running our production team, you know, 14 year olds or people running around with a camera or kids as young as, you know, five or six years old serving on our first impressions team, because, you know, you want them to see that no matter what age they are, they can make a difference too. So we really try to create opportunity. Now there's limits to that, but we try to create as much opportunity as we can for a kid or a young adult or, you know, a student to be able to come in and go, I can make a difference too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that is, that is one thing that our, our staff and our teams have always been really good about of how do we, how do we model for them and let them participate at a very young age? Because it doesn't matter what age you are, you can make a difference in life. One of, one of my favorite stories is, um, this girl at 15 decided like none of her family was serving was like, I want to serve. She started serving in our uh, cafe Mm -hmm. 
By the time she was 16, she was leading a cafe team. She ends up being valedictorian of her high school class. She gets on stage. She has scripture written all over. They they wouldn't let her talk about God, but her faith had become so real because she had an opportunity to lead in the church. She had an opportunity to get engaged in the church. All of a sudden, she's she's I mean incredible. So she gets up. She has scripture written all over. So five thousand people at her graduation are seeing, you know, I can do all things through Christ, and and uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans mm-hmm. to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, well, all of that happened because we gave her a place to to belong, to engage, to serve, and it cultivated her faith and belief that I can make a huge difference no matter what arena I'm in in life. So I'm in my school arena. Well, I can make a difference here and I'm Mm going to figure out a way because I was able to go into my church and make a difference. And so that translates into every aspect of their life. And I love the fact that that they're getting mentored by people that are further along at a young age. They're getting invested in not just by their parents, but by staff and teams and they're being valued and they're seeing, man, I really can impact people's lives we love connecting what's happening on a sunday morning in in the room where people are raising their hands to salvation like that happened because you were at the door greeting them or you were in the parking lot i mean half of our parking lot team is teenagers Mm -hmm. you know they love being out there directing people in and then they come and whatever service they're in they sit in the front row and they worship god in their neon t-shirts like that's saying something yeah. that that we embrace that and we celebrate that. Yeah. Because they they do have they can make a difference right now. Yeah. It's funny because we were talking about that earlier this morning about how there was an event here um yesterday and it was during the day mm-hmm. and like the whole tech team yeah. was like 13 <laughs> to 20. Yeah. Um and they they made it like Mm -hmm. it looked like you had a ton of professionals in there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that creates an opportunity. Would you say that that's what allows them to connect and feel needed? And, you know, like a part of something is giving them the ability to, to serve. Like making a difference is probably a big value of that generation. And so I think them looking, finding opportunity where I can use my gifts or abilities to make a difference for somebody else. I, I would say it, is a big connector for them. Well, not only that, but it's, it's, I'm part of something that's bigger than me. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think that that's the thing. Everybody's trying to build me, but the reality is the only time you make a difference is when you're a part of something that's bigger than you. Yeah. Yeah. And there aren't a lot of opportunities for people to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. Yeah. You know, you're not going to typically find that at a job. Because you're, what are you doing at a job? You're just you're making money for a corporation. That's not really making a difference. There are very few places where you can invest your time, your talent, your treasure, where you're actually making a difference on this planet for the good. And one of the greatest examples of that, I think, is the local church. And so, for them to be able to engage at an early age, it's it just sets the tone for the rest of their yeah. life. And do you feel there? There's a stat. I don't. I don't want to butcher it, but um, they say that. You know, if kids don't re, re like if teenagers or kids don't 
know about Jesus or accept salvation by the age of 18, the chances of them ever doing it goes down, are, goes, goes down an, a, yeah. an insane amount. How do you, is, there's like a sense of urgency there, right? How do you, how do you kind of deal with that? Is it just, or is it just like there's a search, search of sense of urgency with every soul or do you, do you see kids and teenagers as kind of that, oh my gosh, we have to, you know, what? I mean, I think it's it starts with the kid. Like TJ and I, when we f- very first started the church, we had decided like our next gen ministries are going to be one of the best things that we do because we know that if you reach the kids, you reach the family. Because parents know if your kids don't want to go to the church, mm-hmm. you ain't going to that church because you don't want to fight with your kids yeah. the whole time. And so we were like, if we can make environments where kids can have fun, where it's safe, but they can also learn something, then you don't just end up reaching one generation. You end up reaching multiple generations. Yeah. And so we place a lot of emphasis there, but also... We're trying to teach the kids in these environments, but then also send things home where their parents are equipped to have conversations with them about what they're learning at church. Because I think we have a probably a whole generation of adults that may not know how to have those conversations, you know, those faith conversations with their kids. So we're trying to teach the kids, but then also resource the adults to be able to have further conversations yeah. with their kids that, you know. And continues how, throughout the week. And how do you deal with like this generation? And I don't know if it's just a generation generational thing, but their identity mm-hmm. is under attack yeah. or in question, yeah. right? Um, even the simple phrase of you know my truth, your mm-hmm. truth. Like there's like not a standard. How do you do? You think that that's one of the biggest threats to this generation? Do you think it's something else? And um, and how do you kind of combat that? Well, I would say this: I, the enemy has been attacking identity fr- long before yep. right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, go back, back to biblical. Times. Go go back to the Book of Daniel. It's yeah. it's all about attack on identity of you know a young generation. Mm-hmm. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those weren't their names. That was an attack on identity. We're going to give you the names of these Babylonian gods. In fact, a lot of them were female names. Like, I know you're a male, but we're going to give you a female name. So there was an attack wow. on identity back then. Okay. So the attack on identity, the enemy has been using the same platform, the same things. It's just way more in your face with social over media. And and over and over and over again. Yeah. And so for us, it's helping them find their identity in God. Mm-hmm. And the sooner we do that for them, the better off they're going to be. Because when you know who you are, it doesn't matter what anybody says. That's right. Because it doesn't matter if you call me a loser or I'm going to amount to nothing. No, no, no. I know who God says I am. Yeah. I know what I am called to do. And so how do we equip them? And I think that that begins with, you know, Shayla said, we've always invested in the next generation. We've been passionate about building family. I think there's an attack on family and because the family isn't strong, the children get get siphoned off into culture. And so we've always been about how do we build the entirety of the family? How do we make mom and dad strong mm-hmm. so therefore we can make strong kids? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we give security in the home so for the parents so the children can be secure? Um, 
and and so I think it's not just focusing on their that generation. It's it's how do we build their parents so that they can build their children? Because the reality is, is we get fifty two weekends a year, and maybe some other events throughout the year, but a parent is getting them three hundred sixty five. Yeah. So I, how do we build them so that they can build their kids? Yeah. And we can come in and we can be Superman because here's what I've learned is, is, you know, a parent, they say this all the time, like, man, I've been telling my kid this over and over <laughs> and over and over again. And then you, you said something it. and they're like, oh my gosh, did you hear? And I'm, they're like, I've been telling you that yeah. for three years, but somebody else comes in and says the same thing and we're affirming or we're just saying it in a little bit of a different way. And all of a sudden it clicks yeah. And we've won because you tilled that ground. You sowed that seed. We just helped it grow. Right. Do you feel like sometimes parents try and transfer the responsibility of like, oh, my teenager is giving me a hard time, you know, and now this is (laughs) now you. And what does that conversation look like? Because ultimately, I mean, I I think the church is like a partnership, right? We do the work at home and then we build community here so people can, you know, help us along for the ride. But it's ultimately, you know, the parents responsible. What do you tell a parent who's coming in and they're like, do you say, hey, I need to coach you before I can ever reach your kid? Or is that like, do you find that people are trying to transfer that onto something that's not necessarily the church's responsibility onto the church? I mean, sometimes, yes. And I won't say it's not the church's responsibility because I think sometimes as a church, we can keep saying it's the parents' responsibility. It's the parents' responsibility, but the parents are looking to us for, you know, guidance or whatever spiritual guidance. And so at some point, we as the church have to say, okay, we'll help take responsibility for that because Mm -hmm. if they're looking to us, we can't just go, okay, well, oh, well, that should be your, you know, your responsibility. Um, but I think we what we have to do is give confidence to parents. I think what adults lack sometimes is confidence in God's word and what he says and the confidence to be able to communicate that to their kids in a culture and a generation where so much information is available and they have an argument. You know, it's yeah. easy to, to argue a point. So I think a lot of it is building confidence into parents, into marriages, why we do relationship series and things like that is because we, I think, strong adults, strong parents, strong marriage relationships can actually be the the beginning of having confidence to be able to have those conversations with your kids and your kids seeing that modeled in the parents. And so uh, yeah. I don't know. What do you have to add to that? Nothing. <laughs> He's like, I'm uh, 100% no, no, on I, board I, with I it. Do. I, I want to take responsibility. Yeah. You know, I... If you're going to give me responsibility, yeah. I will it. take it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I, I know God cares about those kids yeah. mm-hmm. and we want to make a difference in their lives yeah. and we're invested in that. And we've, we've created environments specifically for those so we can cultivate the things of God in yeah. those kids' lives. Yeah. And so, man, I, I personally, I will like, yeah. I'm yeah. thankful that you would, do it, we will. Well, I, I'm thankful that you would trust mm-hmm. us with that yeah. responsibility. Yeah. And we don't take that lightly. We want to, we want to be the best stewards of that, that we possibly can. Yeah. But there are limitations that we have. Right. And Again, it's, see it lived out. Yeah. It's, too. it's, we get 52, maybe 75 times a year. I mean, that adds up over the years, but 
we're getting yeah we're getting a minimal amount of time and so we'll do the best that we can with that but the reality is is as parents you have to realize that you have the majority of the time yeah and just to kind of finalize kind of like a last word what would you say Mm -hmm. and we're talking specifically about this age group of 13 to 17 what would you say is probably their biggest challenge and what would you say like parents this is the one thing that I would that I would watch for I mean obviously raise your kids in line with faith in God but like with the exception of that what is the one thing that you're like this is what quote unquote worries me or this is the one thing that I would say hey keep your keep your guard take stance on this and so what's interesting is the end of last year uh in our student ministry one night I asked Susie to do something for me and I said hey have every student write down on a three by five card what is the one thing that you wished your parents knew and what is the one that's not going well in your life that they don't know and what's the one thing that you wish you could say to your parents um and there was actually, an overwhelming answer that was yeah there was similar. there were two overwhelming answers there was um the what what they wish they could say that they can't say to their parents that wasn't going well is that I'm struggling and I'm lonely which is interesting because it seems like we're more connected than we ever are it's but we're but we're connected to technology it's not authentic we're not connected to people yeah and a lot of what they wish they could say to their parents was like, I wish you knew how much I loved you. I wish you knew how much I was watching you. Well, and so tearing up. I know, <laughs> man. And so I think we forget that our ki- kids are catching more of what we're doing than what we're saying. Mm. And I think we've forgotten that and we're saying a lot of things, but we're not necessarily doing those things. I I think a lot of that just goes back to the study results, right? And that word authenticity just keeps sticking out to me because what they're looking for is an authentic connection. Yeah. With some, like, how, how do you tell somebody I'm struggling it's because there's room for conversation. How do I tell you that I love you is when there's room for conversation. I think we're missing a lot of that in our culture because we're stuck to, you know, our phones and just scrolling or we're running around like crazy and we're not just creating moments. Yeah. Yeah. No. That was some good stuff, guys. Thank, Thank you. you very much. See you guys next week. Yes. <laughs> See you later. <laughs>